This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com, sponsors of our free weekly podcasts. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. Hi, this is Bill Allerton from Urban Tiger Radio. Just a short podcast this time, in fact, more of a conversation, really, I think. Um, maybe a one-sided one. I want to say hello again to San Francisco, San Jose, and now we have a smattering of listeners in New York. Um, I'd like to explain to you my American connection. and maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe we're making some kind of genetic contact here, because... As you know, my name's Bill Allerton, as I've just said, and I keep repeating him ad infinitum so that I hope one day you'll remember it. Now, I'd just like to point out to you that I have a, a deep connection with America, mostly with the East Coast, I think, but there you go. Uh, on the first Mayflower voyage to America, the first settlers were the following people. John Allerton, who was a sailor. Isaac Allerton, Mary Allerton, Bartholomew Allerton, and a girl called Remember Allerton, and I think she must have taken all the genes with her because I've got no memory whatsoever, and Patience Allerton, who was her daughter. Now, I must be completely unrelated to Patience, as I have none at all. Fear Allerton, would you believe? Uh, I have plenty of that, I'm not short of that, and a Jonathan Allerton. These were all on the first Mayflower. Now, when I Google the name Allerton, I get very, very few hits in America. There's a, another Bill Allerton, actually, who was quite a successful businessman in Australia, one in Canada, one in, um, one in America, too. Now, maybe, thinking about this, when we landed from the Mayflower, Maybe we weren't so much a founding family as a founded family. And I'm beginning to think that perhaps our genes were less suited to survival than the turkey at Thanksgiving. But who knows, if the settlers were hungry enough, maybe we were the turkey. Anyway, if there are any Allertons out there listening, or if you know any Allertons round about where you are, ask them to email me at urbantigerradio at gmail.com. I'd like to renew a long-lost genetic acquaintance. Thank you very much. Right. Can Flash Gordon cure your depression? That sounds like a bit of a tall claim, but in actual fact, it's true. In and around January 2016, in fact, I think it might have been maybe November, December 2016. No, I know exactly when it was. It was November 2016 because it was when my twin grandchildren were born, which is the 25th of November. It was the day before that. Now, I went to see a Ruby Wax. You've possibly heard of Ruby Wax, female comedian and who is now a, a, a depression campaigner. Not that she's campaigning for it, but she's campaigning for treatment. Now, I went to see one of her lectures. I was quite impressed. So I wrote her a letter explaining how and why mine came about because she'd asked for my personal details at that, uh, at that show. I wonder how many other men she asked for personal details, but there you go. Right, so I wrote this letter which said, Can Flash Gordon cure your depression? And the simple answer to the above is yes. 
But before I illustrate the way that Flash Gordon made me aware of my condition and the obvious step it showed me towards the reclamation of my control and, indeed, my soul, though not in any religious sense, I'll quickly tell you where I met him. When I was around four, four years old, I lived in a small terrace house along with my parents, grandparents and a single aunt. Surrounding us were other families with children, mostly a little older or at least bigger than myself. Well, this is fine when you're amongst adults because, as people of my stature and ruby waxers must be well aware, the cute factor kicks in to your advantage. Now, one particular day when the bigger kids were having a fancy dress party that I hadn't been invited to, I tried to gate crash it. Now, I was turned away because I wasn't in fancy dress. So I went home on my little bike and Mum pushed a dahlia bloom into my hair and pinned it in place. And I said, what's that for? And she said, go back and tell them that you're a clown. So I went back to the party and guess what? I was turned away again after much unintended laughter. This time with the excuse that I wasn't big enough. And I guess that since that time I've been trying to convince everyone, not least myself, that I'm both big enough and clown enough to get by. And it's strange how sometimes, and if you're a manic depressive, you may have experienced this yourself, one overwhelms the other to the detriment of both. But back to Flash Gordon. In order to cushion my disappointment, Mum took me over the road that night to the church hall, where they had weekly film shows for the price of three pence. Old money, proper money, not the crap we have now. I have no clue as to what else was on the programme, but from the first sparkling, crackling, smoking spaceship, I was hooked. For life. I went every week without fail, until suddenly I didn't, and I suspect external influences for the withdrawal symptoms I experienced. Now, fast forward, you'll be glad to hear, quarter of a lifetime, that covers many instances of depression, including size issues again, clowning around instead of cooperating, absenting myself from school, teenage angst, anxiety surrounding the acute physical illness of a parent and their subsequent death, after three earlier tries at it, and a lack of awareness of who, what and where I was, and my obvious unemployability due to an unfortunate penchant for disregarding orders by any authority that hasn't completely merited its position. Fortunately for me, I now know the answers to all of those posed questions. I'm a square peg. Now, here is where Flash, ah, thank you Freddie, get down, makes a reappearance. In my mid-twenties, I woke up one morning and found myself with a wife and child. Well, half of a big mistake there. It must have been a solstice or something. Maybe I was drunk on the power of negative identity. I was still unsure of that one, although on reflection, what I needed at the time to ground me was a child. In the event, I ended up with two. I found myself having to become self-employed in order to keep bread close to mouth, and I worked damned hard at it too. One day, a friend, an insightful and observant friend, whose daughter went on to become a very popular weather presenter on local BBC, sparking remarks from my current partner like, is that the one used to sit on your lap when she was a kid, bet you wish she was doing it now? Well, anyway, he remarked to me that I was operating on a six-weekly cycle. 
a rhythm of work that meant that my productivity formed a sine wave of both accuracy and output. When I look back at the figures, I found this to be true. And the shape of that graph will come as no surprise to any of you who suffer from manic depression. But I've digressed, and I apologise. Now, when I used to come home from work, tired and tattered, it was just in time to sit down with my tea and watch the six o'clock news on the Beeb. When you have a small child running around the house and have a concern for his well-being, watching the daily news is not a good move. I found that each evening I would settle into a depressive fug about the future, his particularly, and ask myself why had I brought him into such a world. The how is easy. Going through the newspaper one day, I checked out the TV schedule and found that BBC Two had started to show the complete rerun of Flash Gordon, the original series. I'm four again now, reading this, with Buster Crab, And it was on at the same time as the news on BBC One. Well, revelation. Within a few short weeks, my outlook on life had taken on a more rosy hue. The Russians and the Americans faded into the background along with the rising nuclear tensions of the time, none of which I could do anything about. And the sine wave had begun to flatten out. And I think that brings me to the whole point of this message, if there is one. There are so many things that we decide to devolve responsibility for to others as a society. And we don't always choose the best people to make the best choices. But once our choice is made, then depressive people like myself, constantly agonising over things that are beyond our influence, like Korean missiles, ISIL, the Russians, how many likes you have on Facebook, for that, read dahlias in the hair, or friends on Twitter, for that one, read size issues. It can only lead to problems. As an autodidact on this issue, I've come to understand that depression per se is an illness and a disease that sufferers can never completely eradicate because it stems from chemical and neurological imbalances. Avoidance and distraction are probably the most sane and sensible palliative remedies that I have discovered in a long lifetime. But awareness of depression, as ably shown to me by my friend, and flash, is a solipsistic equivalent of the theory of everything, as pursued by Einstein and Hawking. Awareness of depression informs us which door, out of the multitude of choices that surround us, is the best one to step through. In fact, it's that awareness that informs us that there are doors. For myself, it was the hypnosis door that finally showed me the path home. I know that probably doesn't work for everyone, but for those that it does, it can be a joyous release. If you have manic depression yourself, and should you choose to listen to any of my other podcasts, please take note of The Big Idea. I wish you much success with your continuing battle. Oh, keep an eye out for Ming the Merciless. Yours sincerely. Bill.